Welcome to another edition of the Casual Hour, a podcast ostensibly about video games, but mostly about weather systems. I'm your host, Bobby Pease, and joining me is my favorite gamer on the go, Mr. Chase Kinnicky. Chase, how are you? It's not snowing anymore. That's nice. <laughs> it's been 10 minutes. That's true. That's true. Man, today was weird. Today was, like, I, I got outside. It was supposed to be in the 40s to 50s today. You know, super fun talking about weather on podcasts that <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter to anybody. But uh, you go outside, it's supposed to be in the 40s and 50s. I did bring a light jacket because it looked a little windy outside. Uh, it was very windy outside. Yeah. And then I look out the window of my office uh, like at around like 2 o'clock or something, and it's just blizzarding. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's I, crazy. I, was I, getting, left, I left work at like 5, 5.30, and no snow had stuck to the ground. Everything was calm. Yeah. I got home, and then I looked out my window like at 7 or 8, and now there's all this snow on the ground. Yeah, it was crazy. Where the where the fuck did all this come? Where, where did it all come from? <laughs> I got up this morning and I was getting ready. I had an early shift at work today. Uh, we got one of those fancy pants home pods, so I asked the home pod uh, about the weather, and it's like, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's currently 40, 50, whatever it is. Uh, temperatures tonight will be, you know, varying from 20 to 30s, and like a wintry mix. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what just happened? And you know, for those right. of you who are just turning in, we are a St. Louis based podcast here in the good old Midwest. And we have a running joke, you know, if you don't like the weather, just give it a few minutes. And today was a very good representation of that. I, I have a fondness for weather. I, I'm, my wife gives me a lot of shit because of, I have a folder on my phone. That's nothing but weather apps. And I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I enjoy the weather quite a bit. Um, and as much as I enjoy the weather, I'm pretty terrible about predicting it. And so mm. I'll just be an amateur at best when it comes to weather. Doesn't seem like anybody's very good at predicting the weather. No, you're probably you're probably just as good of a meteorologist. As but hey, outside of our fascination of weather, we love to talk about video games. We do it once a week. Actually, we get together, sure. we talk about the games we've been playing, and then we have a topic. And this week, I'm going to come out and say it. It's not so much a topic as it is uh, we're going to give a little bit of a, a scorecard on the darling console, the Nintendo Switch. As it's been a year. It's a birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, Nintendo Switch. How are you? Feeling better? Had your cake? Good. Uh, we can move on then. No, we, we like everybody else who cares about video games, has had a lot of things to say about that, that console. Yeah, and, we, uh, we definitely were not the first to think of this idea. or, or I, We felt pretty clever of like, oh yeah, it's been a year. Let's, let's check in on the Nintendo Switch. And then apparently everyone had that idea because there were lots of articles to read yeah. this week. Dime a dozen, but lucky you, you found the best one. And uh, this is the only one you need. So throw those other ones away. Don't share any of them. This is it. You, you found it. The definitive celebration of the Nintendo Switch here in the casual hour. But before that, we have some things to cover. And Chase, there's a game I haven't even heard you mention offline that you've got on here. And I want to know about it. Yeah, um, in celebration, I have played zero Switch games this week. Good for you. Um, but I have played um, a game on my phone. Okay. Uh, it's a game, so I follow Pocket Gamer on on Twitter. Uh, I I remember very much enjoying their magazine uh, growing up, especially around the time that the Game Boy Advance came out. Uh, it, it's a UK publication, I believe. But now I just follow their stuff on Twitter because... 
you know, I'm a handheld gamer. I've got my own handheld podcast right. and all that shit. So obviously that's the thing I would do. And they've been tweeting a lot about this game. And I didn't really have any interest. It felt kind of clickbaity to me. And I okay. thought, ah, okay, that's not. not and you don't like anything about. about clickbaiting games that promise you certain, you know, stat no, and things. No, of course not. Very much against them all. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, but then Derek Yu, uh, the creator of Spelunky, sent out a tweet uh, that he was playing this same game on an airplane. And he was liking it a lot and thought that, that other people might like it too. And at that point, I went, okay, well, if, if Spelunky Man says it's okay, then maybe there is something to this. So I've been playing the Battle of Polytopia. And I just downloaded it. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, if Derek, you makes you do it, you make me do it. And that's how this <laughs> works. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, um, it's not free, right? It was, it was a it, couple bucks? It's free, but it looks like, well, it's free right now. Okay, um, it, but it, it, I'm sure it has in-app purchases. Uh, I think you're right. Let of, me of some sort. Uh, I have not paid any anything on this game, um, unless it did have an asking price when I first bought it. But I don't remember. Is it kind of SimCity looking? Am I looking at the right one? Yes, Sim. Yeah, I mean that's the one. But I I don't know if I'd call it SimCity. Okay. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of blocky. It's kind of isometric. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is, it is definitely. It's not really a city builder. It's it's more like a civilization kind of game. Okay, cool. And it's got a, a relatively simplified rule set. And I played. I only really played one game of it, and and I enjoyed that game. And I I think I need to play more to really understand the nuances of it. But in, in the game I played, you get a set amount of turns, and you get one uh, unit. You pick a you pick a civilization kind of thing. I picked the the first one, which is kind of a Japan thing that has some cherry blossoms all around you and pretty you build you build pagoda style uh, cities. Isn't that the name of one of the characters from uh, Bottle Rocket? I have no idea. What's Anderson's what first Rocket. movie? Oh, I have not seen Bottle Rocket. Okay. What what was the name? Pagoda. Yeah, uh, I th- I'm pretty sure. Or maybe that's the guy. That's his name from the Royal Tenenbaums. It's the same actor. Uh, that's the last time you put a blade in me, Pagoda. Isn't that what he says when he stabs him? Not ringing any bells. Oh, so damn I have it! No idea, buddy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, like th- this game just has you kind of uh, you move around this this isometric grid based world. It's very pixelated. It, it kind of has uh, maybe a bit of a Minecraft look to it, just the way that everything's yeah. kind of boxily. And uh, I mean, you it it feels kind of like a simplified Civ game. You you go and you can uh, you have a tech tree that you belong to. The different civilizations have different uh, uh, starting tech tree things. So the I believe the the Japanese style people that I had chosen were uh, more adept at uh, at climbing. That's right, they were good at climbing. So that meant I could traverse over mountains straight away other other uh, civilizations would have to learn that before they could move across mountains but i could just do it right away okay. which meant i could go and take over villages and and bring them into my empire faster and that's that's my thing other other places could have gotten fishing right away or hunting right away 
which means that they can go to different tiles on the map and, and get those resources faster because when you get resources, that will help build the city that's around those resources. Got it. So that those cities will get bigger, then you'll get more bonuses for having bigger cities, and, and all of it feeds into a point system. Okay. So unlike a regular game of Civilization, when you're trying to, uh, when you have multiple win conditions, whether you do a, uh, whether you conquer all the other places on a map, or whether you find a tech victory of going to the moon, or going to space, or going to Mars, depending on the Civilization game, or a diplomatic victory, there's all sorts of ways to win in, in Civilization. In this game, it doesn't seem like it's so much about winning as it is getting a high score. And the score comes from how big your cities are, how much of the world have you explored, all of that kind of stuff. There, I saw that it is multiplayer. Do you know how that plays into the scoring mechanics? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the, the game I played was offline or something, uh, or if by multiplayer, <laughs> if it means that that you're going up against other players or if you're going up against other uh, computer-controlled civilizations. Because I did see one at the end of my playthrough. I ran into another civilization, was able to do a little bit of attacking. Okay. Uh, and I got some points out of that, but uh, I was so run down on my turns because I didn't know a couple of mechanics through the first game. Like, I was trying to build ships and build ports or I was trying to build ports so I could build ships so I could start moving further out. And I was having trouble doing that, finding where I could actually put a port. And once I did, it was pretty late into the game where I didn't have that many turns left. So I didn't actually get to see that much of the map, I would say. Are you playing that on your phone or on your iPad? On my phone. Okay. Uh, I, I'm sure it would be great on iPad, but it, it works just fine on my on my phone. How long was your and first play session? Do you remember? Uh, it's, it's not that long. It's probably like 15 minutes, maybe they're, cool. they're pretty short games. But, and I mean, it's made, it's made to be a mobile experience. Yeah. So it was good. I, I'm looking forward to playing that more, especially now that I have more of the mechanics down and understand how things work. But, uh, I like the art style. I like that I could get a game in within that kind of 15 minute period. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's got a nice little strategy bent to it. Yeah, it's and, got a great uh, style, it looks like, too. Totally, yeah. It's a it's a nice, cute game, and <laughs> I guess now I might start looking into some of those Pocket Gamer uh, links to, to see, like, how to get a better score in Polytopia. Oh, yeah. And look into some more hints and tips and tricks kind of stuff. Right on. Well, I did play a Switch game. Kind yeah. of. Kind of. Um, I checked out the Kirby Star Allies demo that came out. Uh, have you had a chance to download it or play it? I've not. Uh, I'm still playing through Robobot, and that's a Kirby game. <laughs> yeah. And, and I imagine that this is also a Kirby game. It is. Um, you know, I I will say this much. Uh, it, I'm typically a pretty positive guy, and I'm, it's not a bad experience, but my my hype has waned a little bit after playing through these demos. Hmm? Um. I, I, I don't think it looks that good, man. It's it's got some artifacting on it. Like it's not a pretty game. I mean, it probably it, from the screenshots and videos I've seen, it still looks a lot like Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Yeah, from the from the Wii era. Yeah, I mean it's 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 rough, man. Like a lot of the things that you're picking up, like the fruits and the stars, like there's very apparent pixelation happening on that stuff, and 
everything else is supposed to be smoothed out around it. That was a big jarring thing for me, especially on this brand new Switch console, you know? Well, do you think it's... Do you think this has anything to do with you having your PlayStation 4 Pros and your Xbox One Xs or I thought about just that. that it's that it's a weaker Switch title than other Switch yeah, titles? Yeah, yeah, no. I was just I guess I was using Mario as kind of like that like 3D Nintendo staple. Sure. And th- there were some parts of it that were fine. Um but I I wanted to talk about that on here because I was just a little taken aback that it, it seemed to not have the level of polish that some of these other titles have had. Well, especially when Kirby games in the somewhat recent past have have done interesting, cool art styles to get over the hump of yeah. Nintendo not having the strongest consoles. Like there's Kirby Epic Yarn, which I know didn't start as a Kirby game, but it's a Kirby game with a really cool art style. The yeah. um the Wii U one uh, that's the sequel to Canvas Curse. I forgot the, the name of it. Uh, but that one took on a more clay claymation style yeah. to it. Uh, like they've, they've done neat things with Kirby in the past. And it is, I don't know, a little bit disheartening that they made Kirby's Return to Dreamland on the Wii. And then that game, uh, Kirby's Triple Deluxe on the 3DS, Kirby Planet Robobot on the 3DS... And and now Kirby Star Allies on the on the Switch, all pretty much look the same. Yeah, I'll say this. So let me just put that out there. If you are somebody who likes Kirby, you'll probably enjoy the game. It wasn't a bad game by any means. I will say right now, I'm probably not going to throw sixty bucks at it. Um, I played this by myself. I think, I think in the demo you can do the co-op stuff. Like it's there. I would hope so. It's built into it. So they have like two. When you load up the demo, it's like, hey, do you want to do the first level, which is easy? The second level, which is hard. It's like a cave. Um, immediately when you go into it, it's pretty handholdy. It's like, hey, here's how you do this. Oh, you should throw your star at this character to make them an ally. Um, and there's some neat things you can do and mix and match. I found it all like a little cumbersome. And I wasn't able to switch between powers as easy as I thought I would might you know like if I have a group of four people and there's potentials for like these unique power-ups like I don't want the same one to happen over and over and over and over again sure but what's the last Kirby game you played before this I I really don't know um okay like outside I'm I'm wondering if if uh the mechanics have always been this cumbersome for you or if this game specifically felt more cumbersome I've I never suppose. owned a Kirby game. Okay. I've rented them. Like, so Nintendo 64 era, um, mm-hmm. I definitely rented some. Yeah. But, like, most of my time spent with Kirby is in Smash. And so, that's, I, I guess that, that's part of the problem here, too, is, is that I was like, you know what? I, I've got a, a Nintendo console that is my own. Like, I have my own income where I can basically go and support that uh, to a different level. Like, I want to get my Kirby game. I want to. I want to do this because I have it, and to to walk away from the demo feeling like maybe, maybe not. And I think, you know, my wife watched me play. She thought it looked cute. If this game was like thirty bucks, or if they did like a buy two get one, that might be a fun game for Sarah and I to play. But like right now, uh, for me, I'm I'm passing pretty hard on it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I I know I've mentioned this when I was talking about Robobot. Um, maybe a month or so ago, that it just, it's a, I like Kirby games, but mm-hmm. they, 
there are very standard style Kirby games these days. And even the small gimmicks that they do, like the robot or like the the ally part in here, it's it's usually not enough to really change up the formula and and make me feel like I'm playing a different game. And the rest of it is all pretty bog standard from the rest of it. So it, it's tough to, to get excited about these games. But then you also take into consideration that Kirby has generally been a, a title for young gamers. Mm-hmm. It's it's a gateway drug into getting into to, to more complex games. And in that case, it's kind of fine that Kirby doesn't really evolve all that much. This is a game that I absolutely think Johnny and Jude would have a great time playing together. Absolutely. Like, this is a perfect game for them. Johnny, if you're listening, fucking turn off Hello Neighbor and fire this up. It's something that you guys <laughs> would really enjoy. Um, and there's probably, if you had four people playing it, I think there'd be some charm to it for sure. Totally, yeah. Like, another so, good Nintendo party-ish game if you get Yeah. That. So that's my hot take on Kirby demo. Uh, and I, I, I imagine the, the controls are, are easy enough that it's are simple enough that you can probably break off the two joy cons and have each player play on a joy con, right? Yeah. I, so I played this docked, uh, I was charging my switch up and, uh, I used my pro controller, but again, whenever you fire this up, they actually show the infograph to be two, two joy cons. Like sure. they're pushing that for this game. And again, all the sense in the world. like we'll talk about this stuff later on in the episode, but they're, they're milking it, man. Like they know, like, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we show those joy cons separated for a game that we're really wanting to experience with somebody else? Like they are, they are double dipping on that 100%. And for the switch, it's a slam dunk because you have that stuff already there. Like 60 bucks, you have a game, you got two controllers, you can play it by yourself or you can play it with a friend and it's set up to do either one of those seamlessly. And for that, I have to say like, good on you. Like that's, that's well done. Nice. So yeah, man. Um, I'm excited to see you broke the seal on something. Uh, I did. It's about yeah. time that you did that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I. It's a game that I bought a few weeks ago, or at least came in the mail a few weeks ago, and and now I finally got around to it. And that is Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. Yeah. I, uh, I decided. All right, this is you. You bought this thing. You should probably play it. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I've been I've been looking for a bigger RPG that I could sink my my teeth in. We're going to talk about it a little bit later when it comes to the Switch, but that's not something I really have gotten from the Switch so yeah. far. And and the 3DS, still a really good console for that kind of stuff. So um, I was always interested in Radiant Historia before on the DS, and I just never ended up playing it. And, sure. uh, and now that it's on the 3DS here, I decided to give it a shot. It's interesting. It's it's okay. I'm I'm enjoying my time with it, but I'm not enamored by it and i'm a little disappointed that i'm not enamored by is it, it. Uh, rec- like refresh me here is it in in the universe of the chrono games or is it like no. pain is it this pain homage to those uh honestly I, I don't even think it's pain that much homage to to okay. chrono trigger uh that's what i felt like from from hearing about the game before sure, sure. like hey it's it's a jrpg with with time elements in it the first thing you think of is always chrono trigger Yep. But uh it it does things a little 
differently, eh, it, a little differently than the way Chrono Trigger does it. So uh, you get, like you start off, oh, man, I even forgot the, the main character's name. He's some kind of blonde character. <laughs> uh, he's He he actually is a little that bit different devil. from from normal RPG characters. Okay. Like he's, he's not being woken up by his mom uh, at yeah. the beginning of the game. He's he's not some like bumbling idiot. He's not a silent protagonist. He's not some amnesia ridden person. Like he's a capable dude. He's he's a kind of shadowy agent style guy for this kingdom, and he kind of works in this special agent office. And he's he's one of the best guys they got. Nice. And and so it's nice to have a character who is pretty confident in his role and knows what he's doing. And I wouldn't say he's like he's he's not terse and he's not witty and jokey, but he he just seems like a pretty genuine I, I do my business kind of a character, and and that's kind of nice as a as a difference from a lot of the RPG fare that that you see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he gets put on this mission, and he gets these two. I, I guess uh, a person that he worked with had died. Uh, on as a team before so he kind of likes to work alone but this guy puts him his superior puts him with these two other people and they they go through this mission to go rescue this guy i'm not too far in let me let me preface it by saying that so anything i say isn't really a spoiler it's just kind of the first couple hours of the game and uh what happens when they're on this mission he gets kind of this premonition-y thing where he sees both of those characters dead on the road. And so wow. now he's he's really wigged out and nervous that that's going to happen. And then it does. It does happen. <laughs> um, it goes and there. He's, he's, super, he's super bummed about that. Uh, but he's been given this book, which is called The White Chronicle. And it turns out that The White Chronicle is kind of this artifact that has the ability to bend time based on the person who is holding it. And... This guy is apparently worthy enough where it, it activates, and now he's able to jump back into specific points of time where he can then affect the story. So that is one of those moments he can go, that's the kind of tutorial moment of, hey, go back to that period in the in that tutorial-ish kind of mission, and make sure you go south instead of going north, and... Do and, you control the time flow, or does it just like get like story beats that do it? So that first one is kind of a story beat, but eventually you will get points, and and that in that sense it does kind of feel like Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger had very specific points of time that right. you could go to. Uh, the difference is that I think this kind of keeps up where it's not just I'm going to this year; it's I'm going to this exact moment in time, and then right. things play out like they did before. Uh, it is kind of interesting that, that time does not affect the main character. So in that tutorial mission, this big bad guy does a number on him and, and beats the shit out of him. And even when he goes back in time, he still has those wounds oh, from wow. the battle that has now not taken place at all in this timeline. Uh, so, so they do some interesting things with time. They, they actually, uh, I wouldn't necessarily did say did their homework, but they at least uh, respect it a little bit more where it's 
it's not back to the future. I'm disappearing because my right. parents never got together kind of thing. There's, there is some permanence to this time, which is interesting. What's the combat like in it? Combat's cool. I, yeah. I like the combat. It's, it's grid based. So there's nine places on, yeah, it's not <laughs> fire emblem. It's not okay. fire emblem. It's, uh, this is going to, this is not something I love to admit, but it is very much like a Naruto RPG on the on the DS was Naruto: Path of the Ninja, uh, where there are nine spaces. I don't know about that. It's it's anime. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's nine spaces that the opponent can move in, okay. and there's nine spaces that you can move in, nice. and it it's kind of like having rows. So in in some RPGs you can be in the front row or the back row and being in the front row means that you do more damage but you also take more damage and being in the back row means you're a little bit more protected but you also don't do as much damage some weapons will only work in the back row or the front row based on what you're doing uh Suikoden 2 uses uses that but in that in that game you have six people and you put them into their six slots so there's always three in the back and three in the front so you want to make sure you pick the right people for the right positions in this game, so far, I've only been using three people. I, I know you get more later, and I don't know how many are on screen at any one time. But uh, you set up your people where where they belong, and then it's a lot about turn manipulation, which feels really good to me coming off of a game uh, or remembering a game like Dragon Ball Fusions, because that game was all about turn manipulation too. If if you can knock somebody out of the ring, then they go back down to the, the to the right. last order, and now the turn order can be affected. And in this game, there's lots of ways to do that. You're able to switch your turn with either another player on your in your party or an enemy. And switching will sometimes, uh, well, if you switch, it means that you can take more damage if somebody hits you at that time, but right. it can also lead to better combo attacks. Now they've added the ability to do all these combo things that are pretty cool. If you, so there's also a lot of, uh, like, not just the turn manipulation stuff, but the uh, location-based stuff. So in that 3x3 in that three three grid that the, that the opponents can move into, I also have a number of attacks that will move them in different ways. So there's a pushing attack that will push them back one or more spots. And then another thing that's like a left hit where I can knock them uh, to the left. Are you on. using what kind of weapon are you using? Uh, they different have different weapons. The main character okay. guy has a sword. Uh, a girl, there's a girl there with a spear, and then there's kind of a healer guy who's kind of got this chain whip thing, and he's able to. Yeah pull opponents in closer. So pretty standard JRPG weapons. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what's, what's interesting is that when you use these, uh, use these attacks in tandem, that, okay, I have that guy use the chain thing to, to pull this enemy up, you can also get the enemies to kind of stack on the same space. Yeah. So I can move this enemy in the back row into the middle row and there was already somebody in the middle row. So now they're both in that middle spot. And now when I have the girl use her thunder attack, now it hits both of those guys. And then my other guy can come in and he slashes them with a sword. And I get a bonus for doing a physical hit and then a magic hit and then a physical hit again. So it does even more damage. You can get crazy. 
Yeah, and and so far that th- this is tutorial stuff, so I'm sure it gets right. even crazier based yeah. on getting more turns or switching turns or using correct attacks in the right way. And it seems like it can get really complex and fun. And that's that's really interesting. I think the combat is probably the best part of this game that I've dealt with so far. So, uh, so for me to under, I, I think I understand what you're talking about as far as like the layout of the grid and all that. I remember the, I think it was a Square Enix game called Child of Light, that watercolored grim base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had... I, yeah, I think it's kind of like that. They had like a progression bar at the bottom that was showing turns. And you, you could move this firefly over to slow them down. Or to like, basically, like if I knew that they were coming with a hit and I'm trying to recover. It was fine. Like, I worked fine for that game. There's other games where I've played it and I haven't enjoyed it as much. But it sounds like what you're mentioning with this is pretty pretty neat and impactful. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I think the combat's pretty cool. Uh, and then the rest of the game has been fine so far. There's the the story is is okay. It seems like there's some intrigue on on who's kind of on whose side and and what's really happening. And this character, the main character, gets these premonitions, so he can see that oh yeah, this this isn't going to end well. But you kind of don't know what choices you have to make to get to that ending. Right. And maybe you can avoid it altogether, or maybe oh. you have to deal with it and then change the timeline to go back and, and try to fix it to make that not happen uh i i don't know how how much they go for it or what the execution is on that if maybe you have to see all of the the time paths or if right. i could get it right on the first try or something and then not have to worry about it or if i could live with my choices I, i'm sure there's going to be parts where i'm not going to be allowed to live with a character dying i probably he would have to go back and save that character. Sure. But uh it's okay. It's the the story's all right. Uh it's fully voice acted and the voice acting isn't the worst. Uh the the art is is pretty good. I kind of don't remember what the DS game looked like, but but this has gotten definitely a new coat of paint. Is this the same uh, game or is this a, a a new one? This is the same game. Uh, Got it. The mechanically and uh, story-wise, it's the same thing. Okay. This is an actual remake, but it is a remake from the ground up. Okay, and uh, and it's and it's okay. I I'm again, I'm only a couple hours into it. It seems like there's a, a bigger story at large here, where uh, they keep talking about how everything's going to turn to sand and everything's going to get buried in sand if if the wrong decisions are made. But that I'm the only character because I've got the White Chronicle. I'm the only character who can who can stop that fate from happening. So well, I do feel like the at least for me, most RPGs, and you talk a lot about this with Persona uh, <clears throat> Persona Five. There's there's usually like that few, first few hours that's just a little jarring to get through. It makes it hard to start big bigger games like that because mm-hmm. I I get really excited about the prospect of playing an RPG, and then you're right. I, I think about well. All right, I'm gonna have to go through the tutorial stuff. They're gonna have to explain to me all these all these mechanics. Right. I'm gonna have to find a couple of party members before I really feel like I'm getting anywhere. And and this game has that for sure. You you get your party right. members a little bit quicker. They don't give you a lot of money to start out with, so you don't really get to start upgrading your team. Right, you gotta for grind a while. Yeah, uh, but but there there are hooks in here that have me excited. And and I think I will play more of this game. I don't know if I'm going to finish this game. 
nice. especially because no, it sounds I, like it, it has potential. It does. It, it does. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it more of a shot. The problem is um, there's another 3DS game that I've been playing, and because I have both of these games as physical versions, that means Radiant Historia sometimes have to has to come out of the 3DS so I can play this other one, and. Funny enough, it's a game that you are also kind of playing, so maybe we can both talk about it right now. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this on... So I was a guest this week on your show, uh, Gamers on the Go, and we got to talk about Oxenfree, but I was mentioning uh, playing Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadow of Lentia, and you were kind enough to to gift this for me, and I really appreciate it. Um, I really enjoyed my short time with Awakening, and I, I was borrowing that from someone and i knew that that was a limited playthrough um i've attempted to find it on sale which it very rarely does yeah awakening is has stayed pretty firm yeah that's like a gold standard it seems like at this point in time but uh you had a lot of positive things to say about your time with this game uh you gifted me a copy of it which was very kind and um as a good co-host and friend does i'm taking advantage of that and I started playing it. So I am, I think, like 35 minutes into this game. Uh, I started it last night, and I uh, unfortunately did not have a lot of downtime at work today to play it. And uh, I was able to get some time in this evening before we recorded. So speaking of those trying first moments of an RPG, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going through all the team building and tutorial stuff right now. And it's not terrible. Like, the voice acting is really good. Um, it is really good. Have you heard any voices that sound familiar? Yeah, there was one that sounded really familiar, and I was going to talk about it. I didn't write it down, and now that you ask me, I'm drawing a blank. But um, I, believe, I believe his name is Gray. Yes. And Gray sounds very much like Ryuji from, yes. from Persona 5, because it is. Uh, <laughs> um, and you will find some other characters on your travels that will sound like other Persona characters. Uh, so so get ready for that. There there will be a lot of voices that you'll probably recognize. In um, what was the guy's name? Sajiro? Is that his name that ran the coffee shop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is the captain in Monster Hunter World. Oh, very nice. And so uh, he's a little stern and rough around the edges like he is in Persona, but he's not sent me to my room yet. So I, th- I think he's in this game too, but I think he's like a, an enemy who's got like a more modulated voice. So you might not it. be able to pick his out, but there's, there's definitely one more character that you will probably notice right away. You haven't, you haven't gotten anywhere close to her yet, but okay. she'll show up. Uh, so the, the, the acting's really great. Um, so far the story has seemed a little interesting. Like, you know, there's there's some bigger things at play here in the world. The the mechanics, I, I really love the combat of Fire Emblem. I, I think it's great. Um I I was a little a little embarrassed by how bad I got my ass kicked. I didn't die, but like all the kids pretty much died in that first mission. And okay. I, um every time I went to hit him, I just got annihilated. But the uh, is it Mison? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He he was pretty awesome to play with, and I had fun with him. So I I still need to learn a little bit about mechanics and like when to go in and what to do. And um, this is a very different game than Awakening. From it is yeah, like mechanically, it, mechanically it's very similar in in like what you're doing. You're still clicking on your character, 
moving him a number of spaces, they attack, then right. the enemy attacks, that kind of stuff. But there are lots of smaller feature things that are very different because this is a a remake of the second ever Fire Emblem game where a lot of these ideas hadn't even come to fruition. So things like the the weapon triangle, that 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 might be the biggest change. It probably won't be a big change to you because you didn't get that far in Awakening, but it was definitely a big change to me that it, Fire Emblem for me, since I've been playing it, has always been swords beat axes, axes beat lances, lances beat swords. That's just the way it is. That's the weapon triangle. That's what Fire right. Emblem is. And this game didn't have that and still doesn't. So... That's kind of interesting that now right. your axe guys are going to be just fine going against sword guys. It does make the combat maybe a little flatter in, in some ways. Sure, that I can see that. I just kind of use my weapon against you and you use what your weapon against me and that's kind of what it is. It, it also, I think, makes it a, a little more interesting that once you have a good character, it's a good character no matter what. And yeah. And you'll be able to kind of use that character more in a in a class way than worrying about weapon. Like you, you will have your soldier class that is very defensive, and he can tank hit. So you're going to put him in uh, the bottlenecks where where you can right. find bottlenecks, and then have your archers. Archers can shoot from very far away in this game, and and they even get abilities to shoot further away than they're supposed nice. to. Uh, so archers are pretty fun, but they're also pretty inaccurate. So you need to. Uh, really be be sure of kind of what you're doing and set up your strategy. The the real problem, uh, problem and kind of opportunity in this in Shadows of Lentia is the maps. The maps are bad. <laughs> like let's let's get that out there right away. Yeah, and again, like I've only been into one battle. Um, I'm at the part now where they're basically like I think it's the south post or the southern post. Okay. Like you need to get to that and take it over. So there's I think three or four like battles ahead of me here. But the first one was uh, far less interesting, in my opinion, than what Awakening is. And for that matter, even uh, Heroes. Some yeah. Some of the map layouts there. Uh, like, uh, Awakening, the, the first battle you do there is in this little town. It's got a couple bridges. It's got yeah. some houses, kind of things that are that are in your way. So there's, there's interesting ways to move around the map, get into bottleneck situations, uh, and, and move your characters so they're next to one another. In this game, it is a lot of big open spaces, yep. and that can be really hard to strategize when 18. your characters. Yeah, I mean, you you can't. I can't put a like. It would be great to have a soldier in a bottleneck point, but there are very few bottleneck points right. to to get yourself into that situation. When did this game originally come out? Like, not the one that we're playing now, but the the second. Um, I don't know the exact year. It was an NES game, and it was only really? in Japan. So, yeah, it, it's a while ago in the 80s, 80s to 90s, 80s to early 90s, but probably late 80s, later 80s. Why do you think they redid this one? That's a little strange, right? Um, it, it is. Uh, they've already redone the first game with Marth. Uh, that was Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon on the DS. Um... I mean, it, it's a good question. It could just be that they they decided they were going to do them in order. Um, it could be that that whoever was making it thought that had some fond memories from Fire Emblem Gaiden, right. which is the the second one, 
and wanted to to redo that one. Uh, I don't know. Like it would have made all the sense in the world to me to to do the one with Roy instead. That's Fire Emblem mm-hmm. Six, I think, five or six. Uh, it's a six, I'm pretty sure. Uh, because because that one also didn't come to America, and that's but people know Roy from Smash Brothers. So he's there's, arguably there's, one of the most recognizable. Totally, there's there's international appeal for that. And I think if they probably did a third one, I think that would be the one they do. I I don't think they would actually do Fire Emblem 3 and keep going that way. I think people would really want Roy at this point, Uh, which I hope they do. Like, I I would like to see Fire Emblem Echoes be a secondary Fire Emblem brand. Like, you would have have your main Fire Emblem series on one year, on on a two-year cycle, and then you would have the Echoes... Call of Duty and then your Black Ops. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that working, and I think they've set up the branding to do just that if they if they wanted to keep a keep going with that. Um, um one one nice thing about playing this also has been uh getting to play the three DS again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's this episode is a, a gigantic love letter to the Switch, and I promise you we will give its dues when it where it's deserving, but the three DS is still a great little console. And, um, I know that you don't, but I like a little 3d and, uh, I use a little 3d when I'm playing it and it's been pretty nice, but it's, it's good. I got a, I got a very nice pocket in my backpack that fits this really well. Um, I like the open and close lid, just get right into it. It's, it's good, man. I've, it's been really nice to, to scratch an itch. Cause like I'm kind of getting fatigue on a few other games and to have something that's so different has uh, been welcome. Yeah, I, I think I've said this before, but the 3DS is probably my favorite video game machine of all time. Just a, with the great. amount of stuff it can play, not only 3DS games, but DS games to the virtual console stuff that's on there. I think there's the the most amount of really fantastic games available on that system. Well, it's got, they've got some, I know that you don't care, and I don't even know if I'll care, but they've got, uh, a lot of the Monster Hunter games are on sale right now due to that big milestone, because they hit 7.5 million on on World, and so they've put these other games on sale. I I think if I was going to play one of the 3DS, I probably would do stories over, like, an actual Monster Hunter game, because it seems to be a good blend of what I'm looking for on a platform like that. Yeah, I think so. But regardless... um, you know, I know that you're playing it, and you've played through it. Um, again, I'm just getting started, so I'm hoping to have some updates. And totally. Maybe yeah, if you uh, have if you have any questions, there are a couple things that that I certainly would want to help you out on. There's uh, get so those those characters that you have, like Gray and Faye and yeah uh, and Tobin. Yeah. Those you might not be at this point yet, but they become their villager classes or, or that's probably where at the point you're at right now is they're all the villager class. Yeah. And you're able to eventually change, upgrade their class and you can pick a number of different classes for them. But there are, there are kind of ones you should pick or it's going to be a tough time for you. Okay. So, uh, so definitely consult me before you do that. And I'll, I'll I, try to give you, am I crazy? Go. So Tobin, I think I remember Tobin from Heroes, and he had like a pot on his head and a broom. Like, nope, different game. That, that's not that's, him. That's Donald. Donald is from Fire Emblem Awakening. Okay, 
All Although right. Tobin Tobin is now in Echoes, he's he's been in it for a, a little while now, but uh, I have I have stopped playing or, or not Echoes, sorry, uh, in Heroes. Here, okay, but I have stopped playing Heroes again. Good for thankfully. you. Yeah. Um. So Chase, I know that you're playing this game again, and I asked you offline, like, hey, why, why? And um, did you want to talk about online about like what brought you back to it? Sure. I mean, part of it is that I, I bought a copy for you and I bought a copy for Johnny. It was on sale at Walmart for, for $17, which for that's a, a Nintendo, steal. For uh, yeah, for a Nintendo published game, for a Nintendo made game, that's that's kind of crazy. That hasn't even been out for a year like yet. That. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not the most popular Fire Emblem and it's not, it's again, not like Awakening. I think Awakening is a more classic example and, and Fates as well. Like those those are selling a little bit better and are more traditional of what Fire Emblem kind of is these days. Right. So this was a little bit of a weird throwback for a lot of people. And so it's nice that I was able to pick it up on the cheap. So getting it for you guys kind of rekindled my thought of like, oh, what if we all kind of played it together? That'd be nice so we could all talk about it. But then part of it is like, I'm again, this is something we will talk about more when we talk about the Switch, but I am really jonesing for some new fire emblem and we've heard nothing on the switch version that's supposedly still coming out this year i mean i think at this point in time like you're not going to hear shit if you do hear it at all until e3 Uh, well it it's either going to be maybe or it's going to be well it's nintendo so it could be just some random nintendo direct yeah and i i thought for sure it was going to be at the fire emblem heroes one year anniversary direct that they did and it was all just Fire Emblem Heroes stuff, which is fine. That makes sense. But also, you have a captive Fire Emblem audience there. Why wouldn't you tell them anything about the new right. Fire Emblem game that we know you're making? So well, I'm playing this game instead, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm actually appreciate, appreciating it more this go around than I did the mm-hmm. first time. I know the first time, I think uh, there was a lot of jarring stuff of these mechanics that were so different yeah, than different. what I've been used to. But... Uh, but now I, I think I'm really enjoying some of this stuff in it. And like you, you may have run into this enough already, but uh, just having a f- mostly fully voice acted game Fantastic. means means so much coming from a game like Fates or a game like Awakening, where it was characters saying the same few words to describe all of their stuff. It was it was text boxes that would say everything and then it would be right. huh, what? Hello. And it's like uh, yeah. that's not that's not voice acting, that's just a couple of words. No, this is it's it's very much um even in the midst of like I know I'm going to training and they introduce a lot of people at once. They do a great job of like the person if it would have been all text based with all those different faces, it would have been a little hard. But I think having the voice acting especially has been incredibly rewarding uh, for that, that onboarding experience. Also, just the story is good. You, you, yeah. You've only experienced a little bit of it so far, but the story in this game is way better than Awakening and way better than Fates. Yeah, I can tell that there's going to be um, some good risk-reward stuff going on here, and I'm excited for that. So I'm going to dig in, man. Like I'm, I'm going to give some periodic updates on it. I don't want to... Uh, only be talking about it, but I am going to try and give some mile markers on my progress, and obviously I'll talk to you about it offline. 
Sure. Um, but you have been playing another game that we've talked about a couple a couple weeks in a row, or just just last week. I think you saved yeah. it the, a couple weeks ago, and yeah. now you talked about it for the first time. But Crossing Souls, I have now downloaded this video game. Oh, I now cool. own it. I have not played it yet. I'm still looking forward to it. But uh, but where are you now? Yeah. So so shit's kind of uh, cracked open on on what's going on now. Like I I have a better understanding of like who's behind a lot of it. I I have a better understanding of like the realms, so to speak, or the realm that you're in. Um, there there is some uh some dark things that happen in the game that you have to deal with and they bring it back in a nice way mechanically like i'm still struggling to find out like how the rpg stuff comes into it because like they advertise it that way but i i definitely am not seeing it like it is a to me it's an action adventure game and there like there's definitely some slots and i feel like i've put in a few more hours in this game and I would have seen some more mechanics with it, but maybe I'm pretty early in it still. Um, this game is, uh, done some really neat stuff from like a mechanic standpoint, playing it. Like, uh, there were, there's a, a bite chase scene and it completely flips the gameplay on its ear, but it's a throwback to like those super Nintendo, uh, arcade games where, you have arrows that are basically saying you need to move your bike up here or down here. And sure. It's like a little mini game, which is fun. Um, is it like, is it like battle toads? It's bit? just like battle toads. And yeah. so like you can ramp shit and there's, there's people that get closer to you and it's, it's neat. It was, a, it was a fun moment. Um, I am still enjoying the game. The writing, the writing can be a little cringy, but I think it's supposed to be just based off of like it, it is playing in the stereotypes for sure. Um, there's a Ren type character that you'll yeah. probably be annoyed yeah. by. Ren, um, Ren, our favorite character from Oxenfree. Yeah, and it's the it's your little brother in the game, and so I get it. Like he's supposed to be kind of irritable because he's sure. much younger than your crew, but the the mechanics that you get into when they start to layer in, like. It doesn't get twitchy, but there is some of those guacamelee-esque, like you need to switch between your characters pretty quick to do some stuff. And um, I'm still enjoying the game. Uh, I had resorted to playing this uh, with my iPad remotely and using my my controller uh, just because I'm at that, that point right now where I'm not playing a lot of other stuff on my PlayStation. Like I'll fire up Destiny right now, but until the end of this month I'm, i've just been going to, to like monster hunter when i'm on my console i got Owlboy. i'm still playing through monster hunter i just cracked open the second tier of the end game uh ranking and so i was capped at 40 i'm capped right now at 49 and um you have to earn your way up to 49 and then when you get to 49 they give you a quest to hunt a tempered uh kieran and okay. once you do that, it opens it up, and I th- I want to say it takes you to ninety nine. So there's some pretty big gaps in the the hunter the hunter rank stuff. Yeah, I think it goes even higher than that. It's, well, it does, it's, no, it does. I think that's where your next cap is. Oh, okay, gotcha. But there, like um, there's guys I've seen that like one hundred and fifty eight. Have you? Uh, did you get all that Horizon stuff? So funny you mentioned that. Um, I'm 
I am playing this game on the wrong console. Oh, that's right. Yes, you're playing yeah. on the Xbox, so of course you're... Yeah, and that's a big bummer mm, because... Sucks to suck, huh? Sucks to suck. But hey, uh, how are those slightly better graphics doing for you? Well, the Pro... Honestly, the PlayStation Pro runs that thing really, really well. Um, and I know that they've, like... <clears throat> it's not quite as bad as, like, Bungie, but, but Capcom got in bed with Sony on this game and they've gotten like all the updates sooner. They've gotten like, I know that they're going to get, uh, is it, it's Ryu. Yeah. Ryu. They're going to get Ryu first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's a mega, it looks so stupid. The mega man stuff that's coming out for the Palico, which I, I don't care about, but like you dress your Palico up as mega man and it's like all eight bit blocky. It looks stupid. The, um, have you seen the armor that you can get? The Mega Man stuff or the no. Aloy stuff? The Aloy stuff. Uh, I think so. It's not. It's not like the the super armor from No uh, Rise of Have you seen the Palico like armor stuff? Uh, I, yeah, the Watcher. Yeah, stuff. that that's, that looked really cool. That's so awesome. Um, no, I I'm bummed. I'm not playing it there. But uh, Johnny and Jason got on Xbox, and then Johnny has a cousin with an Xbox only that has this game and Johnny wanted to play it with him. So it's, it's fine. I mean, Small quite honestly, I, I've really been digging in on just like armor build outs and like trying to magnify my play style. And I don't even know how much I would have been using for armor. Well, I mean, you, you didn't even really like horizon that much. Probably. No, terrible you game. Didn't like any of that stuff. <laughs> no, no, I love that game. They, they just actually came out with a, a pretty big discount on that. Like right now, Sony has a Critics' Choice Award sale going on, and a lot of the games that you heard us talk about on this episode or on previous episodes uh, are on sale for a, a pretty deep discount. So I think you can get like the complete version of that game for thirty-five bucks, which is not bad at all. Well, maybe I'll just play Monster Hunter on my PS4, and you would just to spite me. <laughs> uh, well, enough about my poor decisions. Let's get into one that is a really good one that I that we both made a year ago. Well, one one last thing I'd like to say. It's not on my list here, and I'll keep it very oh, short. But I feel sure. like I have finished um, Alto's Odyssey, or quote unquote finished. I I did get to the requisite level fifty one, so I've gotten all of the characters now, and the final character is exactly what we thought. Uh, it's yeah. uh, it's a character that is able to do all the stuff from the previous characters. Uh, she's good. <laughs> she's yeah. she's real good. Uh, the, the weird thing is, and I haven't played enough as her to really understand, but it, she has like a little lemur friend on the profile pic of her. Uh-huh. And it says something is like able to calm the animal friends. So initially I thought that just meant that she would never bother the lemurs right. that, that would sometimes come and, and try to knock you off your board. But I still startled them and they still started chasing me. Hmm. I haven't gotten touched by any of them yet. So I wonder if they just don't, knock you off but they still hang around you okay uh, so so i'm not sure it'll take a little bit more testing but uh but man that game that game's super good and yeah i'm i'm at level 18 yeah so you have a ways to go yeah i got a ways to go i'm i'm far off but uh love that game it's very yeah. good yeah uh, i would say that if there if i have any problem and i'm going to qualify problem because i really love this game it's it's that some of the challenges, especially some of the later ones, are very 
RNG based. It's yeah. it's very like, there's one where you have to uh, you have to wall ride five times in a single jump in a single combo. Yeah. And that means one you need to be in a very specific biome because yeah. there's only one biome that has the things that you can wall ride and just getting five of them lined up is a, is a difficult thing. And even when you try to game the system like I did, okay, well, now I have the wingsuit, so maybe I can wall ride on these two things, and then if I can just wingsuit over to hopefully another three, maybe that'll yeah. work. And even then, it, it just takes a lot of runs and a lot of hoping that you get the right RNG and yeah, I'm, I'm then stuck executing on one right what now. you do. I, it's a it's a wall ride to a backflip, but I'm in the wrong biome. And I've not bought the compass, but I'm really close to doing it just so I can get there. Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd still save your money. Yeah, like you can you can get through biomes relatively quickly. It is still a super bummer to have to like, ride ride out all the way through one biome just so you can get to the next biome that has the stuff that you want. Right. But but yet you shouldn't pay that much money for the compass and then pay even more to switch biomes like save that money for upgrades to your wingsuit or the magnet timer or something like that because those will be way more helpful to you over the course of the game do you see this game being uh, a top 10 game for gamers on the go i see it being a top 10 game for everything for overall yeah. at the moment yeah. it totally is it's totally yeah. in my top 10 now that's still very early in the year sure and that could that could change but right now i i love this game a lot and and it's going to be it's going to be a hard one to cut from a list of 10 for anything yeah. 100% man so why don't you why don't you tee us up here for this back half yeah so what was it march 3rd 5th 5th okay was the was the first day that we could all play Nintendo Switches. Uh, that was 2017, and now it is... Uh, we're a little past that now. It's March 6th of 2018, so it's been a full year, and, and we've gotten to play a lot, a lot of stuff on our Switch, and I, I would say, overall, we're pretty happy with it, right? Yeah, yeah. I know... I mean, I'll just put it out there right now. You said it about the 3DS, but... I feel this is the perfect console for me. This this console has the absolute potential to be the best console ever. Yeah. And my worry is that Nintendo won't allow it to be as good as it could be. That that's really the problem. Like Nintendo is the only one standing in their way. <laughs> like Nintendo could be standing in their own way of how great this console could be. And I mean the this console isn't without faults. We we've talked about some over right. the over this last year from the the left Joy-Con problems with the connection stuff. Um, Charging I've, it in tabletop mode. Mm-hmm. I know I've bitched about the the Pro Controller and how I think the the D pad especially is not very good on that. It's not the most responsive controller, even though it's a generally fine controller. Yeah, it it's not perfect by far. Uh, like battery life, it's pretty decent, but it's not amazing. Like it's it's not without faults. And then our biggest one is where the fuck are our virtual console games? Yeah. <laughs> um, which well, apparently are still coming. They're still coming. So before we get down that rabbit hole, there, 
Um, just kind of like we're we don't have an actual scorecard by any means or a report card or anything like that. We're going to give you guys our per, our personal opinions on this. Um, this is intended to be more of a reflection from us on like our time spent with the console. Uh, Chase, I know that you've put some list out there of some things that are important to you about like what you've played through and I've tried to follow suit. Um, I can't remember what episode it was. We did, we did a, a Nintendo episode and we were talking about launch lineups mm-hmm. and we did some really interesting comparing and contrasting when you saw it all on paper because there was a lot of hate uh, around this time. Like the Nintendo Switch has Zelda. That's really it. Oh, Snipper Clips is there too. But there, people were really concerned with the lack of launch titles. And there was also uh, people who thought that Nintendo came in a little high on the price. And then they started to talk about the accessories. And the accessories were, and still continue to be, expensive. Yeah, $90 for a, for a dock is crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of went by the wayside pretty quick. Um, a lot of people got their accessories, even though they cost a lot more money. There was a few games that came out at launch, yeah, but one of those games, to at least for me and a lot of other people, is a very important game. But then Nintendo started to build up speed, and they started to get some attention in areas, and there was developers that were really curious about this new approach to taking things with you. And uh, I'll just put it out there. So here we are a year later. Um just how many games have been released in the first year of this console's life? So the short answer, 404 in the first year. That is over 100 more than the Nintendo 64 got in its ent- entire life. It's telling. Yeah, I think it's pretty impressive numbers there. And, you know, like how many of those games are quality? Yeah, maybe a different story. But, there's, but also there's, how, many of, how many Nintendo 64 games are of quality, too? 100%. <laughs> it's a it's a relatively small handful on that system for sure. And I mean, these days you you look at something like Steam that is getting exponentially more games mm-hmm. added to it each year. And that's it's just the business we're in now, which is is can be great. It it's great yeah. that there are all these people making games, there are all these great experiences on there. Games are no longer something that only a small few can make that's the that's all good stuff and and now people are getting to make games and put them on more platforms than ever before it's not it's not just the pc for all these weird little things weird little things can come to everything what was the game that you just showed me earlier this week the the way way to the woods uh yes yeah way way in the woods i think because at first when I saw it, I thought, is this a Night in the Woods sequel? <laughs> um, <laughs> Way to the Woods. Way to the Woods. So Way yeah. to the Woods is a is a small, uh, it seems kind of like a adventure-style game about deer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's coming to PC, but it's also apparently coming to consoles. And I would be shocked if it didn't show up on Switch. And yeah. it's being made by a high schooler. Like these, these are the times we live in where where games are are really being distributed way more than ever before. So that so that four hundred and four mark doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me for sure. But even even just thinking about the amount of games that I have bought and and have been playing for the Switch in this year, I've purchased thirty two Switch games. There's thirty two different games on my Switch right now. 
and one demo for Project Octopath Traveler that's still on there. And what's kind of amazing to me, because I know my track record of buying things and then never playing them, a very strong track record. (laughs) Um, There are only four games that I've bought for this system and haven't booted up. And those four games are Stardew Valley, Shovel Knight, Treasure Trove, which I found out I actually bought. (laughs) I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. But you got to get the emojis, or the emojis, the uh, (laughs) amiibos. amiibos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I had forgotten that I actually purchased that. I think it was on sale maybe at the time when I got it. Um, Ambition of the Slimes and Mercenary Saga Chronicles, which, and those last two are both uh, uh, more like Final Fantasy tactics style tactic RPG things that I'm going to give it a shot because they're they're close enough to fire them. I don't think I'm too far off from you as far as games purchased. I don't have a number right now, but um I have I've bought a decent amount of games and I I've been pretty frugal with it. Like there's very few games that I would say are like the $60 game that I would get um Nintendo has had a lot of sales for Nintendo standards on this. And the developers have pumped a lot of really interesting titles out for it. Yeah, like the the big news that everyone seemed to be crowing about was that the Nintendo Switch has sold more in one year than the than the Wii U sold in its entire yeah. lifetime. Like that's that's kind of crazy when you. Yeah, I mean, like there's some staggering numbers here. They they, uh, I mean, again, longtime listeners friends of mine or any, anybody really will guess that like the, my favorite video game of all time came out for this. Like I had an amazing experience with a Zelda game on, on a handheld console, uh, Mario, like you're not a huge fan of Mario, but you found, you mean in general or of this in general, in general. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, but something like they, they created a pretty special Mario game for this. Um, there's an article by the verge that, was pretty telling to me about like my approach to it. And the Nintendo switch has me playing games that otherwise ignore. And I don't know if ignore is the exact word I would use, but maybe just like, I didn't have a really good way to play those games. And so I find myself now, like when I play something that's not on my switch immediately saying, man, I wish this was on my switch. Totally. I mean, it's, I, I've said this on some podcasts, uh, some of our podcasts, but it's kind of like the next generation of the PlayStation Vita. Or that mm-hmm. The Vita was there uh, after Sony said, okay, we're not going to make first-party stuff for this anymore because it's not viable to us. The people who kept that system alive for so long were the indies. The indies mm-hmm. that would come out on PC, and then a year or two later, they would show up on Vita because it'd be cool to have something... It'd be cool to play their games on a handheld screen that people can enjoy, that they can play on a plane. It's that it was just cool to those people, and that's why we saw games like Luftrausers and games like Hotline Miami and games like Rogue Legacy and those those games. Risk of Rain, definitely another one. Bind of Isaac, like those games, found home found a home on the Vita, and the Switch is now doing that these days, which I think yep. is really what kind of put that final nail in the coffin of the Vita is now developers have a new console that they can do that with, and everyone's pretty excited about the Switch, and it makes sense. So so now that you're seeing... like I'll, Maybe it's time for me to just tell you what my top five games are on the Switch. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, uh, which 
it's kind of amazing because looking at your top five, uh, none of those games show up on my top five, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Steamworld Heist. I, actually, I, I won't say these are really in any order, but Steamworld Heist is number one. Just five, five games that stood out to you as some of your favorites. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Steamworld Heist is one of my favorite games of all time and showed up on the Switch again because a developer... This game showed up on Vita as well, and it showed up on 3DS, right. and uh, like Image and Form took advantage and wanted to bring their games to this console, and they've done a great job with it. I'm uh, changing so one of mine right now because I just remembered. <laughs> okay, uh, so SteamWorld Heist, Sonic Mania, Poyo Poyo Tetris, Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, and Golf Story. Yep, those I I love all of those games, and with the subtraction of sonic mania eh, like sonic mania is a relatively big game in the grand scheme of things but the rest of those are pretty small games in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. yeah poyo poyo tetris is still a sega property but uh like those are those are smaller games that showed up on other consoles and then came to came to switch and except for golf story which is a switch exclusive but even that game is a is a very tiny game yeah. that it's the first like, game. Mm-hmm. Like Their these, first game out. I mean, totally. Like these are these are not the huge blockbuster things. Yeah. Although, and this is going to get closer to your list. I think if you were a Switch owner who only bought the three biggest games that came out last year, which is Zelda, Mario, and Mario Kart, uh, mm-hmm. you would still be a happy Switch owner. Yeah, you'd be a, a thrilled one. Like, I mean, you've had two DLC packs for Zelda. Mario just had a free update that added more content into it, and that game is dense as hell. And on yeah, to the, do. both of those games came with so much content packed yeah. in, you didn't even need the extra stuff on a cartridge smaller than my thumb. Totally, it well, tastes and, very bad. Yeah. So uh, Zelda, Mario, Mario and Rabbids, Celeste, and Golf Story five that stand out to me. But one thing, and you mentioned that they're like games that came packed with content, like. When you look at when you look at the PlayStation and you look at the Xbox dashboards, like you obviously have a store and you have a game library, but there's all kinds of you know apps outside of games. So like Hulu, Spotify, Netflix, like there's all these things in your feed about what's going on. And and Nintendo's a little barren when it when you fire up the Switch console and it, it has some some room for improvement, but there is something to be said about a game that is solely devoted to playing video games for you in a really great way without the fluff. And like, I don't know if like I need to have Netflix on my switch. Like I got a phone that does that really well. And I got an iPad that does it also. Um, I kind of like having a, a dedicated gaming console in my bag that is only there for that purpose. I think that's really great. Um, when I look at, one thing about the gaming is you mentioned the cartridges, like the whole concept of digital or physical. We talk a lot about that early on in the, in the show, not tonight, but in our show's history. Like, are you going to get that game digitally or physically? Like, that was a big game we talked or a big thing we talked about. And there was things that I talked about where I was like, oh, that'll be a physical copy for sure. And then I ended up buying it digitally because I like having those games on there ready yep. to go. And I've wanted to be digital for a long time now. Like, I don't like having these games that I have to interchange out and the way that we hop in and out of stuff. I like having it. And I, I'll say it right now, like the Switch 
like you're really limiting the te- like the tetherless opportunities when you have physical media with that. Yeah, I think I, agree. I think I think digital is the way to go. That's I think I I only own one physical Switch game, and that's Zelda. I have I two right now. I have Mario and I have Zelda. Um, I had some other ones, but I, I traded those in. So, um, there was an interesting uh, data point that came out about five months ago from Nintendo. Uh, this was, I think, in a PDF or a presentation they sent out for for some sort of uh, uh, insight they were doing. But they have a, a breakdown here of the the gameplay trends, and I I thought this data was really interesting. Um, primarily because you have a console that is so universal here. You have a handheld mode, you can have a TV dock mode, you have a tabletop mode. And then you have um, this grid here. And so what it is, is basically a bar chart, or not a bar graph, but uh, a, a grid going across where it has uh, 0% to 100%. So 20% of the people who had these five months ago uh, were playing in TV mode primarily. And there was... Uh, it looks to be about 30% that were doing this in tabletop or handheld mode primarily. Um, there is, however, about 50% of users that played in both modes. And I, I, I fall into that category. I would say um, handheld is what I played the most. TV would be the second. And tabletop is the third. Yeah, I, I barely ever played in tabletop mode. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think... I guess it's nice to say that it has a third mode, but really it's, I, I just view it as docked or undocked and, yeah. and that's fine with me. And and usually I'm playing it undocked. And I think part of that is because my handheld gaming heritage and, and enjoying playing games like that and, and having it on. The, but uh, they're both good experiences and it's been, it's been great to see games that take advantage of, of being played on either in either uh, configuration. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And, and I love seeing that come out of Nintendo where they showed like, Hey, here's the proof of, of concept. Here's like, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't crazy to think people wanted a thing like this because here are the numbers and they absolutely do. It's, it's awesome. It's I, it proves, it proves what they've been saying all along, what we've been wanting for this console. And to see it, it actually come to fruition and do so well sales wise. I'm I'm just really excited about the future of of this console and and gaming going forward. It feels good to have like not that Nintendo was ever down and out. I mean, the 3DS is a powerhouse console. Like Nintendo is fine. Like they've always been fine. But there was a perception that they had lost it. There was a perception, and I mean, the the Wii U did not do well by all accounts. And if you look at especially in comparison to this, like this is more of a hit, but it is nice to see Nintendo back out there running in the, to the beat of their own drum, shining a light in areas that they haven't as much in the past by having that third party, especially indie support, which, you know, that's not been as prominent in my opinion on uh major consoles. And I'm not saying the 3ds isn't one, but like there are, no, you're ones. right. Like even, even the 3ds, like there, there have been people who have gone through, the the process to put games on 3ds but that's that's why i think the vita again going back to the vita i think that's why the vita 
was able to do so well in that space is that Sony was better at curating those games and Nintendo wasn't and in fact made people jump through jump through hoops to be on a Nintendo console right whereas other other platforms like Sony was, no we need to go find these people and and really sell them on why this is a great idea for sure uh, and but but Nintendo has gotten better about that and they have an even more attractive console than than the 3DS and that's why people are flocking to to bring their games to it um, so I don't have a whole lot more. I mean, I could lament on a few things, but obviously, like, I love this thing. It's my favorite piece of hardware they've put out. I wanted to see if there's anything else that you wanted to, to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think I'd like to talk about where we go from here. It's, yeah. it's, we've, they have one year under their belts. It was a fantastic year by all accounts with sales-wise, games-wise. We're talking about Zelda and Mario is this one-two punch of, like, those, those, are two of uh, each of those games is one of the best in their respective franchises. And mm-hmm. the, the prevailing thing that I've heard from people is, well, that was great, but obviously Nintendo can't, can't uh, hold a candle to that. They can't keep that momentum up. They can't, uh, they can't do it again. You can't have a, a second year be as good as that first year. Right. And, and just look at the franchises that would be coming out next uh, they're they're not going to to do those numbers. They're not going to get that acclaim. You think about games like Metroid, which, which has always been kind of a second class citizen for uh, Nintendo franchises. Kirby is coming out very soon, and that is is always good for them. But it's not Mario and Zelda for them. And right. then what what kind of which what isn't those things, but is closer to that. And I know this is a little bit of bi- my bias coming through, but honestly, it's true. Is is Fire Emblem like we're getting Fire Emblem this year, and that's a big franchise for them that has been doing really well for them since Awakening. And uh, so I, I want to see that. Uh, but then we also know of other things that are on the horizon. We know Pokemon is coming probably next year, but uh, there's I guess there's a tiny possibility that it comes out late this year. But yeah, I just wanted to look forward. Like, what what other things that have been announced uh, are you looking forward to? Well, before I answer that question, I was going to put it out there. This year, I'm really holding holding out for an Atomic Purple and a Spice mm-hmm. Orange Joy-Con. Yeah, um, you and me both, buddy. Like, I think that's one thing I do want to see. Like, I. I have not been thrilled with the cho- the color choices that they've done for their accessories. Um, so I really would love to see some callbacks to those, but that's a whole other conversation. As far as things that are announced, um, right now I'm really excited about Mario Tennis. I think that's going to be a great a great game. Um, I I don't need Mario Golf because I got Golf Story now, and that's a, a fantastic game. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year, man. Like. Part of me thinks they kind of need to to answer that question of like how does Nintendo, how does Nintendo do it? I would say uh, they need that Pokemon game this year. I don't know if that's going to be a reality or not. I think that's uh, pretty solidly a 2019 game. Now, do I yeah. think it could come out before March of next year? Yeah, I think that could happen. Yeah, early that, for sure. It's a possibility. Um, so I I would say obviously Fire Emblem is something I'm excited for. Um, Kentucky Route Zero. I think that's a game I'm looking forward to. Yes. This, to, to have that. Um, wasn't the uh, the oh my god? Why can't I think of it? 
uh, it was a wrestling game. The the Japanese guy that came out and did it. Um, they did the direct. Um, it's a sequel. Oh, the the Travis touchdown. Yeah, Travis touchdown. Strikes think, again or something. Yeah, there's a game that comes up that looks like it's got all kinds of fun style for this year. Um, I'm excited for Donkey Kong. I know that's silly, but my wife and I really like Donkey Kong Country. I think we're going to pick that up. Um, I saw Diablo 3 might be coming out. Yeah, that's been hinted at. And and that kind of speaks to the things that I'm looking for. Uh, earlier on this podcast, I talked about how, you know, I I kind of lament that the, the, the Switch hasn't had a lot of good classic RPGs that I can really sink my teeth into. Anybody yeah. who says Zelda's an RPG is a fucking idiot, and I will fight them to the death. That's that's an action-adventure game. It's not an RPG. I I will not accept any differently. But even the RPGs that have come out have not really grabbed me. Like, I, I think about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. That's not... No. It's, it's almost what I was looking for, but it's not really. Um, and... We're... There, there are other games like I know. I know I mentioned. Steam I'm World pulling Heist. up a list right now. Sure, like Steam World Heist is an RPG. I talked about that. The, uh, the the two games that I haven't played yet: the Ambition of the Slimes and Mercenary Saga Chronicles, that are RPGs. Uh, but but in terms of like that big RPG experience, there just hasn't really been much to to get excited about. And what does excite me coming down the coming down the pike is that we're getting. Project Octopath, uh, that yeah. uh, there was just a leak that you found and, and showed to me that on German Amazon site, they, they listed it for August. But regardless, that game's coming out this year. We know that there is a, a Shin Megami Tensei game that's coming for Switch eventually. So, like, we're going to get RPGs. And, and again, there's that looming Fire Emblem and Pokemon that are coming out. And so we'll they'll get there. War Groove. Wargroove, yeah, super excited for Wargroove. That that'll be that'll be great when that finally comes out sometime this year. Uh, uh, and, and then we mentioned uh, virtual console stuff. Like, just we, yeah. I want to know what that is. I want to. I want Nintendo to fucking put some of their shit out there. And I realize that that the that Nintendo's virtual console ideas have changed over time that now we have the nes classic and the snes classic that they might not be as inclined to put their classic games on the switch and that's a super bummer because the switch is probably the best console they've ever made for this kind of stuff Uh, yeah i I mean two controllers ready to go like it's all there absolutely and i i can't wait to plop down money to buy games that i already own by nintendo yeah like it's it should be the easiest money to to put out some of those older games that I just want to have in a handheld and TV mode. This is this is perfect. This is great. And now Nintendo seems to not value that idea as much anymore. So we are going to get a Yoshi game this year, which looks exciting. Right. Uh, there's a that Shin Megami Tensei game that mm-hmm. that's going to come out sometime this year. Um. No More Heroes 3, that's the game. That that looks interesting. Uh, Dragon Quest, maybe? Uh, I I guess that could be this year, maybe. Yeah, Dragon Quest 11. I'm, I want to play that game. Uh, but I think you're probably right. Like I think the, the Switch is just not going to get Pokemon this year. Um, I, 
I don't know. Like, I've found myself playing games that are about a year to two years old uh, for the first time on the Switch, and I've had some really great experiences in doing so. Um, the the Nindies, as they call it. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing some more support from that and what that would be. We're going to definitely get in fall the the paid service, the paid online service where they're going to have some games and all that fun stuff. Right. I, I just don't know uh, what to expect. Yeah, in terms of things that we haven't heard anything about that I that I would like, uh, one I think the eShop probably just needs uh, a cleaning up. I, th- I think maybe just the whole UI stuff for the Switch could use a cleaning up. Uh, that it could that is a console that could use a folder system like like the 3DS has. I would love to be right. able to organize my Switch library a little bit better. I know. It's still pretty early, but I do have 32 games for that thing, and I'd like to be able to put them into slightly more categorized folders. Um, let's see. Uh, they've laid the groundwork for a Smash Brothers port, for a Wii U Smash Brothers port, and I think that probably just needs to happen. That's probably something that I could see being announced around E3. Um, along with that, I'd just like to see more Wii U uh, re-releases. There, there were a right. lot of great Wii U games that nobody played, myself included. Like, I would like to play uh, Super Mario 3D World. Yep. It's, that, that was apparently a really good game, and I like to give that a shot. Uh, I think you need to figure they need to figure out how to make Mario Maker work on a Switch, because that was a huge game for the Wii U. I want to play that game, man. I want to play it, that game. It's a good game. And I liked playing it on the Wii U, but it needs to come to the Switch in, in some sort of way. Uh, and then it's probably not a priority for Nintendo, but I am still really excited and really love Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE, and that would be a, a cool game for people to, to experience on the Switch. Um, and then kind of what you were talking about, I want to see more of those indie titles show up on, on Switch. And uh, like I can think of a few off the top of my head. I know Dead Cells has has had mentioned that they're working it, on it a, is coming a switch to switch. Board. So that's that's one I'm very excited for. Um, I talked about Risk of Rain on the Vita. I love that game so much, and would love to see a Switch port of that. But sure. then there's also a, a sequel to it that hasn't come out quite yet. Risk of Rain Two that'll be coming out probably next year, maybe maybe this year. Uh, but I think a Switch port of that would be great. And then uh, a more recent one is Heat Signature that, that came out late last year or later last year. And I think that game would look really good on the Switch. Be, it'd be nice to see more of those kinds of games make, make the jump over. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would do it. I probably would because I'm a sucker. <laughs> but the, the Skyrim, uh, the team that ported Skyrim to the Switch has now came out and said that they're offering to port Monster Hunter World to the Switch. And, um, again, like, I don't know if I need it there or anything like that, but, um, yeah, I think maybe by the summer, I'm hoping you'll get, you'll get your Fire Emblem. Do you do you think they'll do Mario Kart 8 DLC at this point in time? Anything new? I don't think so. I, I think yeah. at this point, Mario Kart's done enough for them. They've announced their Mario Kart game for, for phones. Uh, if anything, maybe there would be some us like DLC pack that would come out with the phone version uh, right. to, to push you more to trying the phone stuff. Uh, but I think at this point, if they're working anything on, on Mario Kart, it's probably a whole new Mario Kart nine for the switch. 
Here's a weird one, and I and I don't know if it'll ever happen, but do you see a game like Overwatch coming to the Switch? I don't know. Uh, I, I think, well, you mentioned Diablo's being hinted at. I think Blizzard would probably wait to see how a game like Diablo does on Switch. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Overwatch is... I don't think the Switch is built... Uh, the internet stuff is is built out well enough to to make a port of Overwatch make sense, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think Rockstar is going to bring Red Dead over to it. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, are you going to get Hyrule uh, Warriors? I know that you haven't had a lot of luck with your Warriors games. No, I'm I'm fine. I I played that game on the on the. You, and it was okay. I like it's it's a better game than Fire Emblem Warriors, sure. But, what about uh, yeah. Hollow Knight? Uh, man, I don't know. I that game that game seems cool, but probably not a game for me. Yeah, but I definitely met, appreciate. Met yeah, I, I appreciate what that game's doing. I just that's never been my genre of game. So, so like I, I'll say this, man. Like to kind of button it up for me, I feel. You made a comment earlier about like if you had those big three games, like you'd be set. And if I look at all the games on my Switch right now, and Nintendo's like, we're going to take a year off and not put anything out, which will never happen. But if they did that, I still think I'd be pretty damn happy a year from now with what I have on there. I, I probably wouldn't be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because you know, I it, like they still haven't made enough chase games for for that. I console totally get yet. that. But it seems like, it, which is why I'm so excited about 2018 and and the Switch going forward, because those games that people say are not the big games like Mario and Zelda are the games that I really like, like the Pokemon and the Fire Emblem. Yeah. So th- those are the games that I need before I can be really content with this console. Yeah. But I will say this: the Switch has shown incredible promise and incredible potential and it gets me very excited as as a person who plays video games to to see that all kind of come to pass and now now i just need them to make the chase games yeah and you know maybe we'll do another health check i know we'll do a health check uh we'll cover as we always do e3 but maybe we'll do another like how did nintendo fare this year at e3 and like is Quite frankly, out of all the major players right now, they got a lot of eyes on them for how do you follow up a banger year. And they're always they're always the most fun to watch because they yep. can they could always do something off the wall. Yep. It's it's always a year where they could say, Yep, we're we're translating Mother Three. It's always a year where they can say, Yeah, we're making a new Golden Sun or we're making mm-hmm. a new Advance Wars or making a new whatever and yeah. get people excited. Like Metroid Prime four was was something that a lot of people's jaws just dropped because like, oh wait oh shit they're doing that that's that's cool it's happening so good so stuff. Nintendo Switch is a, a fan favorite here in the Casual Hour um, we are uh, obviously curious what you guys have to say about it and uh, as we get in some plugs here like we'll we'll give you an opportunity to know where to send those but we'd love to hear from you guys on like what were some standout memories you have with the Switch or some standout games. Uh, Chase, you, you and I just did something this yesterday. We recorded an episode for your your podcast. That's true. Yeah, Gamers on the Go, a podcast about handheld games, and you and me and my friend Pierce, who will try to get onto this show at some point. 
Um, we did an episode on the game Oxenfree. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. It was, it yeah, was, it was good a really good time. with you guys about it. Uh, more fun than playing the game Oxenfree. <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun uh, time for sure. But it was still a good podcast that I think was was pretty informative and it was a good discussion. So yeah, you can find that at gamersonthego.com and look us up on Twitter, which is at G-O-T-G Podcast. Very cool. Um, so we are on all the major players as far as social networking goes. Um, Instagram, Twitter, across the board, we are at the casual hour. We are also... Uh, we have a nice website you can come and visit. We are thecasualhour.com. If you want to email us, there's an easy way to do it there, which is thecasualhour.com slash contact. We also have an email address, which is just thecasualhour at Gmail. But we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, what were your favorite Switch games? What were your top five Switch games for the first year? Um, if you don't have a Switch yet and you're thinking about getting one, like what's the game that you hope to play first on that? Like We are all in on all things Switch. We are big fans, and we hope that you are too. Uh, we have a really exciting episode planned for next week. It is a part two to uh, an episode that will probably become a series of such here on the on the show. But uh, maybe you'll you'll hear it next week or a week following, depending on how things go. We're really excited to get that one recorded. It could take a little bit longer. And with that, we are signing off. Have a great night. <laughs>